Greetings, brethren. Hopefully everyone, wherever you are at the feast this year, are richly enjoying the foretaste of the coming kingdom of God. <clears throat> when you hear the words kingdom of God, what do you think of? What comes to your mind when you hear that phrase kingdom of God? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? When I asked my wife this question, the first thing she said recently was family. In other words, healthy, extended families, all living in the same vicinity, all living God's way of life. When I think of the kingdom of God, the first thing that pops into my, my mind is healing. And I think of healing in many different ways of humanity through the millennium, beginning with the, begin, the very beginning of the thousand years. What do you think when you think of the kingdom of God? Physical abundance, for example, peace and safety, deserts blooming like a rose, animals' natures becoming changed, the government of God. What do you think of when you hear the words, the kingdom of God? When we think of the coming kingdom of God, our minds can almost run away with us. There's so many positive, pleasant thoughts and anticipations for the future based on Scripture, based on the coming reality. And we have that excitement and we can have that joy of anticipating a world that is radically different from our own world that we live in right now. A world that will be brought from the depths of despair following the tribulation, the day of, of the Lord, the close of this age, to a new world under the loving guidance of Jesus Christ and his brothers on earth. Whatever comes to your mind when you think of the kingdom of God, it can be summarized, I think, by Peter's words. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. We'll look at verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. And now verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God has in mind the restoring of all things, a rebellious Satan and his demons will be removed, for example. The government of God will be restored fully to this planet, to the earth. And human beings will be restored to the way of life that God intended, that God intends for his family. And almost 6,000 years ago, humanity rejected God's leadership and chose to go their own way, their own choice of making decisions, of experimentation. And it brought a great curse upon the earth. Sin and rebellion always brings a curse in one's life. Notice what God said to Adam after his refusal to follow God. In Genesis chapter 3, let's turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. Verse 17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Cursed is the ground for your sake. From that point forward, life was going to be a lot more difficult, 
a lot more of a struggle. Human beings were going to have to work by the sweat of their brow, as we know. In other words, they would have to provide for themselves to take care of themselves as best they could, as opposed to God being the principal provider. In verse 18, it reads, Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Well, we know God's original intention for mankind was for them to tend and keep the garden, to look after God's creation, which would be producing abundantly on its own, the Garden of Eden producing fruit and food in, in due season. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, we read, And then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Notice the curse of sin and rebellion that has affected this planet ever since all those years. We'll turn to Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 24 and verse 5. Isaiah 24 and verse 5 says, The earth also is defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. What God has in mind, of course, looking forward to the kingdom, the coming kingdom of God, is the removal of that curse of its effects of mankind's disobedience, a time of very great abundance physically, mentally, spiritually, an uplifting time of abundance as God intends, and for this restoration of all things back to the planet in God's way of life, mankind must be brought to obedience, totally rejecting Satan, which will be the reverse of what happened in the Garden of Eden, won't it? This time it will be rejecting Satan and his way of life, and accepting God and what he has to offer, his spirit, his understanding, his truth, his wisdom, his understanding. And the curse of disobedience will be lifted, and the blessings of obedience will pour forth. And we can look forth to that time. Right now we're enjoying a small foretaste at the Feast of Tabernacles, of the coming kingdom of God, we have a little greater abundance. But at that time, the abundance of the family of God will be poured out on this planet. Deuteronomy chapter 28, as we all recall and remember, it overviews the curses that will be lifted, that is, curses for disobedience that come naturally from disobeying and breaking God's way of life. And it also overviews the blessings for obedience, uh, the natural blessings that come from cause and effect, from obeying God, from following the laws of God that leads to stability and happiness and God's blessings in every way. At this time, we know there will be tremendous healing on the planet as the restoration occurs under Jesus Christ's leadership, the healing of the planet in so many ways. Notice Malachi's prophecy. Let's turn to uh, Malachi chapter 4. And verse 1, it says in verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, 
burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. And then we read, but to you who fear my name, that potentially can be all of humanity in the millennium and the second resurrection, to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Today, let's look forward to the coming kingdom of God, to God's kingdom. Let's examine the healing that will occur on a massive scale during the millennium. We'll look at seven of the major healings that Christ will bring. The title of the sermon is Healing in His Wings. Typically, of course, when we think of healing, we probably think primarily of healing of human sickness and disease, and that's natural. We know we're all afflicted by that to one degree or another. But when God uses the concept of healing, he has so much more in mind than simply physical healing. According to Vine's expository dictionary of biblical words, the Hebrew and Greek words translated heal, healing, or to heal can mean, quote, a cure, restoration to health, restoration of spiritual health, restoring to normal, such as the healing of water, restoring to normal, making whole, restoration of afflicted land, and the healing of a nation, end of quote. Well, we might say in summary that Jesus Christ's healing in the kingdom of God will make this planet and its inhabitants whole in every way, not just physically, but we can think of mentally, emotionally, and of course spiritually. In every way, the planet will look pristine in time as it's restored. At Christ's return, the world will have gone through a very trying and traumatic time leading up to Christ's return. We know World War III, the utter destruction of the environment, the overwhelming death and destruction of probably up to 90% of the Earth's population at that time on the planet. And to this scene, Jesus Christ himself and all the firstborn sons of God descend to the Mount of Olives at that time in Jerusalem, it's now time to start the restoration of all things with Jesus Christ leading the way, symbolically with healing in his wings. That's an exciting thing to consider, uh, the restoration of all things on the planet, Jesus Christ leading the way with healing in his wings. It's so symbolic of a time of peace and prosperity and healing. So where do we begin? Well, to start with, we certainly will want to comfort a traumatized humanity. And that's number one. I'm going to list uh, seven areas of healing. Emotional healing It will be needed immediately at Christ's return. Our first order of business will be to comfort, to settle mankind. The religions of the world we know will have spread the deception far and wide that the one who is establishing his government in Jerusalem is actually an imposter, one who would be impersonating the creator. Some might call him the Antichrist. And he will be rejected by the entire planet, except for those who have been called and chosen 
and finally resurrected and changed. We know Muslim prophecies, for example, foretell the return of Jesus Christ, not as the Son of God, but as a prophet, as a unique prophet who will help turn the entire world to Islam. And when he claims to be the Son of God, which is utter blasphemy to Islam, as well as the God of Israel, he will be rejected out of hand as one who is anti-Christ. In other words, not the Christ, the prophet they're expecting to help turn the world to Islam. He, he will be considered a phony, a fake. We know that Catholic prophecies also foretell of one in Jerusalem, an antichrist who will attempt to put down all things Catholic, the universal religion, including the Holy Mass. And, of course, that's exactly what Jesus Christ will do. Those who have been longing for the rapture in the Protestant world, they will not have been taken to heaven at that time as they expect when Jesus Christ is on the planet. And they will assume that he is also an imposter after all. They're not in heaven. They're still on earth. On the other hand, various atheists, various agnostics, and many others steeped in evolution, the false religion of evolution, will assume that this very powerful being has evolved somewhere else in the universe, a different life form, of course, but he's a threat to the planet. He must be stopped. And it's clear in their view that he intends to take over the planet, all government, and to, and to establish a foreign government. Let's turn to Joel chapter 3 and verse 16. Joel chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, The Lord will also roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heaven and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Verse 17, so you shall know that I am the Lord. In other words, the eternal, the creator. I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy. Jesus Christ's intervention in the valley of Megiddo at that time and the complete dismantling of a combined army of some 200 million strong will go a long way in convincing humanity at that time that indeed the powerful being in Jerusalem at that time is the creator of the universe. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. And let's look at verse 3. 35.3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees... Say to those who are fearful, who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. You know, this reassurance at that time will go a long way to comforting humanity. Jesus Christ and his family, his brothers, are here to restore the earth, the planet, to provide their needs, to take care of their physical needs, to teach them a better way of life so they can have a future, a future to look forward to, a real hope. And as people gradually realize that indeed the creator of the vast universe, all the galaxies, the creator of all life is here on the planet to bring peace and an abundant life at that time, 
humanity will begin to rejoice. They'll begin to open their mind to perceive, to have a hope, to have the beginning of a joy in their life once again. And that overwhelming fear, that sense of fear and anxiety will slowly begin to leave. It will disperse. It will be gone. Let's turn also to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 13. Chapter 31 and verse 13. And we read, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. That will be your job. That will be my job at the very beginning of the millennium. We will comfort humanity. We'll reach out to humanity and tell them it's okay. We're here to help. Everything is going to be all right as long as you follow God's way of life, as long as you follow Jesus Christ, that way of life that brings peace, prosperity, and in time abundance as well. And we'll tell them, we'll comfort them, it's going to be okay. Isaiah 61 also makes a reference to this time. Isaiah 61 in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So Jesus Christ fulfilled this at his first coming in part. Healing the brokenhearted, though, will be accelerated at his second coming. And that will be an exciting time to be able to comfort humanity, to, to give them hope, to give them a future. Greatly supporting this reassurance and emotional healing, that emotional healing that all human beings need to be stable, to be secure. So supporting that will come another form of healing. And, of course, the logical healing we often think of is physical healing, the intervention of the great God. You think about how... What an impact that will have on people as Jesus Christ initiates physical healing through his family, through sons of God scattered across the earth. Isaiah 35, let's look at Isaiah 35. In verse 5, so many scriptures speak of this. In verse 5, familiar scriptures, and says, And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. You think about that, how that would impact individuals. Can you imagine the effect of healing a blind human being that's been blind perhaps from birth? What a sense of joy and release that would be. Do you think you would have their respect and their trust? Absolutely. No question about it. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Verse 6, then the lame shall leap like a deer. Incredible. Think of the exhilaration it would be to heal a quadriplegic, paralyzed from neck down, maybe for life. Do uh, you think it, that individual would leap like a deer, as the Scripture says? Absolutely. You bet. 
and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. You know, talk about verbal fluency. There will be a torrent of words of appreciation, you know, just kind of unleashing the emotions at time. Appreciation in every way. Jeremiah chapter 30 speaks of this. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 17. God says through Jeremiah, For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, says the eternal God. What a blessing that will be to quickly heal those who are sick, those who are diseased, as well as the many, many injured from warfare, from earthquakes, from ecological disaster. Uh, What a privilege it will be to bring healing, to bring wholeness, physical wholeness to individuals who've experienced that trauma of that time. You know, in the past recent years, few years, in the Living Church of God, God has blessed us with a number of miraculous healings, cancer of various sorts, cervical cancer, cancer of the floor of the mouth, life-threatening infections, and even the reversal of structural defects of an unborn child. And yet God seems to be keeping, when you think about it, healing somewhat low-key for the moment. Apparently for this moment in time, he doesn't want people to be primarily attracted to the living church of God for the sake of healings and miracles. He wants people attracted to biblical principles, godly priorities, the very work of God, and the desire to develop godly character. But that time will change. God's emphasis will change as he brings the spotlight on his work. And, of, of course, we know even more so in the millennium when we're going to openly heal, it will be then the time to get the attention of all humanity. And as we heal through the power of God, as we heal, we'll also use this opportunity to point them to Jesus Christ. He is not only the creator of all life and the entirety of the universe, but he's also the savior of humanity. By his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. And that will be a good transition the physical healing of humanity as they begin to approach God, God's way of life, and that will lead to transition to a third major healing, number three, and that is overall spiritual healing, the healing of the mind, the way of thinking. And that process of true spiritual healing will, of course, take some time, won't it? It won't happen overnight. It, it will take time. People must be taught initially There will be a lot of resistance, especially for those who have been separated from birth and other religions and other false religions. We'll begin to teach them about blessings for obedience and punishment or natural punishments that come upon us for disobedience, the cause and effect of God's way of life. It'll be the carrot and the stick, we can say. We'll drive home the point, cause and effect. You know, a critical concept that we'll be teaching, the law of God being administered from Jerusalem operates that way. The law of God invisible to the human eye, that is the spiritual laws, just as the physical laws are invisible, but they are just as real. They operate just as much on cause and effect. And we'll bring that understanding. We'll make it clear with the guidance and direction of Jesus Christ 
blessings for obedience. We'll want to reap the blessings. We'll, we'll want to help people to want to reap those blessings. It'll be a positive motivation. Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah 14 and verse 16. Verse 16, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem at that time, who came to do battle, Jesus Christ made the point very clear that he is the creator of the universe. And all of them who came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles, as we are doing now. Verse 17. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem or their representatives to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. And you realize, wow, that would, that would get their attention quickly, wouldn't it? There will be no rain. Verse 18, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, and they, they shall have no rain. And they shall receive the plague in which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. There will be that direct cause and effect. Those who choose to follow, to obey the great God, his principles, his way of life, are going to have an abundance that the earth they never knew in their life, but which the earth never knew since the time of Adam and Eve as well. Verse 19, This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So this will apply to all the families of the earth. It may be a little more difficult for some religions, uh, particularly maybe for the Muslims of the Middle East, since Jesus Christ will be declaring that he is the Son of God. Of course, that's an anathema to them. They believe there is only one God being. It's different from what they've been taught. And he is the Son of God. And also the God of Israel, uh, Israel being their mortal enemy. Of course, the teaching of God's law will begin with the tribes of Israel and Judah and will later spread around the earth to all the nations of the earth. Jeremiah chapter 33. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 33. And we'll see how it starts with Jerusalem and begins to spread around the earth. Jeremiah 33 and verse 6. Behold, I will bring it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Verse 7, And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return from wherever they've been scattered, and will rebuild their, their, those places as at the first, verse 8, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, by which they have sinned, and by which they have transgressed against me. Verse 9, Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I will provide for it. You think about that prosperity that God will bring, that Jesus Christ will bring 
at beginning prosperity, beginning with Israel. But that will attract, won't it? That will attract peoples and nations that want some of that prosperity, a better way of life. Food in due season along with rain, uh, proper rain, blessings for obedience that will cover the earth. Who doesn't want prosperity and a better life, a better future, more stable families? And once again, as their teachers will make that connection between obedience of the law of God and blessings. We'll make the direct connection of cause and effect. And it will be our job under Jesus Christ to help fulfill Isaiah 11:9. We'll be part of that. We'll be enjoying that opportunity. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 9. Verse 9. In verse 9 we read, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Now notice this, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the first order of business will be to begin teaching the foundation of God's laws, His way of life, that is the Ten Commandments, the overall spiritual foundation of God's way of life, of truth, of absolute truth. And it'll need to be understood that there's no longer a ten suggestions, but the ten commandments, they are the law of the land. For example, adultery will not be tolerated by anyone. The days of rampant adultery are gone forever. And we will begin immediately teaching marriage principles and the blessings that can come with strong marital relationships, applying the laws of God, marriage relationships that are meant to be lifelong and enduring, one woman, one man, monogamous relationships that are meant to be the stable foundation for the family where children are taught by loving example from husband and wife. In time, marriages will produce families that will bring peace and inner joy for every member of the family. And as the generations go by, I'm sure that the marriages will become more and more stable as parents are raised by other parents who've never known Satan's world. All that baggage, all that, all that extra baggage that was acquired in Satan's world will be jettisoned after a few generations as parents begin to teach their children God's way of life, parents themselves who never knew Satan's way of life or Satan's world. And again, this will take a few generations to help build and to teach the most stable families that have ever existed. And we look forward to that time. We can look forward to that time to see potentially our own descendants, to see the descendants of human beings that we're Working with, begin to have stable family, stable marriage relationships. It'll be an awesome experience to see others succeed at a very high level in their families. And we'll continue to reinforce and reinforce blessings for obedience, principles as we begin the next phase of healing, which will be the healing of the planet. The immediate environment of the ruined cities and nations will be the place to begin. Number four, the healing of cities and nations. And we'll have our hands full. We know that. It's exciting to notice that God reminds us today 
that if we truly seek him in this life with all our heart, in other words, all our being, our emotions, our mind, that we will, as firstborn children, direct the rebuilding of the cities of the world God's way, not the way we're familiar with now in surrounding cities and nations, but in God's way under the direction and authority of Jesus Christ as he gives us the general outline, he gives us the the blueprints, you might say, and we'll expand on that to fit the individual cities and locations. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12, speaking of that rebuilding time, that healing time of the cities and the nations. Isaiah 58 and verse 12, Those from among you shall build the old waste places, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What an exciting prospect under Jesus Christ's leadership to redesign, to rebuild the cities of the earth God's way fully, no longer blighted, crowded, congested, polluted centers of misery and heartache and crime and drug addiction, and all the rest. What an opportunity. What a blessing. What a joy for us to be able to be a part of that and share that blessing with human beings on the planet at that time. We know that, for example, that random shacks and buildings destroyed (coughs) were heavily damaged, of course, in warfare and fire and destruction and earthquakes that will have occurred will be leveled at that time. It will be a great time to totally totally redesign the world, the cities of the world. The large cities of the earth will be dramatically reduced in size. It makes sense. Most of the continents that we think about are, by and large, uh, very empty. The interior of the United States of America, many other, many other nations are empty. So many people are crowded in the cities along the coasts, along waterways. And this will be a good time as we redesign cities, inland cities, to to set about open spaces within smaller cities, you know, a sizable proportion of them to be, well, park-like settings, maybe green belts, areas running through the cities, hiking and biking trails and all the rest. In addition to the small cities, of course, as the human population is spread out across the continents, where there'll be room for families to grow and prosper. Years ago, my wife and I lived across the street from Golden Gate Park in San Francisco when I was attending dental school at University of the Pacific. It wasn't perfect at that time, as no human city or park is by any means, but the park we, living across the street from, enjoyed the miles of trails, of lakes, of gardens, of, at that time, free concerts, of scenic settings for occasional picnic lunches way back then. And, of course, that was just one snapshot of one area at that time. But in the millennium, the average city will put the Golden Gate Park or or any other parks, for that matter, to shame, a totally safe environment free of crime and, of course, uh, dangers that lurk, potentially manicured lawns and gardens and streams, beautiful, unpolluted water with birds and animals alike, unafraid of human visitors, 
What a blessing it will be to restore the small cities at that time under the government of God, under the direction of Jesus Christ. And once again, the rebuilding begins in Israel and spreads around the earth as God uses the nation of Israel as the prime example. Ezekiel chapter, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 35. So they will say this land which that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. And as the time passes, as nations are restored with all the resources of the family of God, all the abundance the family of God possesses, every nation will reach its greatest potential. Israel, Germany, Egypt, Every nation on the planet will be destined to be, of course, pinnacles of success and even greatness. Isaiah chapter 19 and verse 22. Isaiah 19, verse 22. And the Lord will strike Egypt. He will strike and heal it, notice. And they will return to the Lord. And he will be entreated by them and heal them. Verse 23. And in that day there shall be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrian will come into Egypt and the Egyptian into Assyria. And the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. And finally, verse 24. And in that day Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyrian. Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Verse 25, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people. And Assyria, the work of my hands. Germany, the work of my hands. And Israel, my inheritance. You think about that, it's hard to comprehend what this planet will look like as God begins to bless all the nations of the earth as God's way of life spreads around the entire planet, when all the nations of the earth are living in harmony, and every nation which has its particular talents and abilities and strengths will be allowed to excel anything the nation has ever known in the past, and their special talents will come to the forefront, and they will be cooperating together as nations rather than to be competing for national dominance has been the history over the last 6,000 years. You think about the, the abundance that will occur as Jesus Christ under his leadership begins to heal the cities, the nations around the globe, around the planet, and to accelerate the productivity of every nation, the environment itself will need to be restored, won't it? And that is the fifth area of healing. Number five, environmental healing healing the environment will be a key priority of jesus christ we know if abundance is going to bless the inhabitants of all nations a very fundamental priority must be adequate water adequate moisture which is so key and so critical for plant life to grow to be abundant in production and jesus christ has a plan 
that will dramatically alter the surface of the earth. Isaiah chapter 35. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35 again in verses 1 and 2. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall restore, shall rejoice and blossom as the rose, and it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Finally, verse 7. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the inhabitation of jackals, where each lay there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Incredible. Incredible abundance at that time. And there will be rivers of water. Isaiah chapter 41 now. And verse 18, chapter 41, verse 18. And I will open rivers and desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys, and I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle, and the oil tree, and I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together. You think, think about that abundance as the planet is restored and rebuilt with pools of water, springs of water, where the dry places are today, the deserts of the earth. And as the Creator redesigns even the weather patterns at that time with abundant rainfall in due season, Across all the continents, malnutrition will fade from this planet. There will be an abundance of production. And at the same time, we will begin teaching humanity how to produce wholesome foods, uh, foods that are balanced, that are not contaminated with enriched soils, without chemical fertilizers that are sprayed in abundance, and pesticides and herbicides as well. And what a blessing that will bring to human health as no longer will the balance within of the pollutions that we consume. That will be restricted. The plants will be, the crops will be raised in natural ways. Perhaps Jesus Christ will remove what we, we think of as the curse of the ground mentioned in Genesis 3:17. We read that earlier, the curse of the ground. And what we also know the land will be restored in Ezekiel 36, 35, like the Garden of Eden. And what a blessing, what an abundance as God begins to bless the whole earth as humanity begins to seek God and His way of life. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 23. Verse 23, we read, And then He will give the rain for your seed, which you shall sow the ground and the bread of increase of the earth, and it will be fat and plentiful. And in that day, your cattle will feed in large pastures. And yes, humanity will enjoy cattle and meat from large pastures, from abundant pastures. You know, it looks like that won't be a vegetarian diet 
There'll be an abundance of cattle in large pastures with, uh, you might say, organically raised beef and many other choices as well. What, what a blessing. What an opportunity to not to be concerned by the imbalances in the environment, the world of food today as we have it. Ezekiel chapter 47 speaks of a time in verse 47 when water will flow out from under the temple in Jerusalem. I think that's a uh, incredible mental picture here, Ezekiel chapter 47. In verse 1, verse 1 we read, And he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. So this speaks of that time when water flows symbolically from Jerusalem, symbolically giving life. Verse 5, And again he measured 1,000 cubits, and it was a river that I could not cross. And for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Incredible, incredible beauty, water deep enough to be, one could swim in as it flows to the Dead Sea. Now notice the healing in verse 8. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, and goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers will go will live. And there will be a, a very great multitude of fish because these waters will go there for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the water goes. And finally, verse 12. And along the bank of the river and on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail and they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine there will be an abundance of healing even symbolically from their leaves so god will heal the environment god will heal the waters that cover the earth Humanity will have a very positive association, begin to associate the blessings, the healing with God's way of life, with joy, with peace, and with an abundance, blessings for obedience. And in every way, as these healings occur in every category, human beings will begin to associate those healings with a better way of life, a better future, the very plan of God, with God's laws, with Jesus Christ. And we'll begin to associate the two. Human beings will naturally want a better life. They'll naturally want the blessings that the God family has to give. And they will begin to more fully seek the great God. Another healing, another additional healing, that will be sorely needed at that time. And that is to restore understanding and harmony among all people of the planet. And to do that, there will have to be a healing of language, a healing of the spoken word. Think about it when you analyze it. When the whole earth had one language, 
humans had accelerated in that path to scientific accomplishment. And, of course, eventually that led to global destruction, at least the potential for it. And yet in Genesis 11.1, 1, we read, God had to slow that process down. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And God saw that it was a major danger that had to be stopped. Human beings were coming together. They were thinking. They were planning. Scientific discovery would have accelerated. As long as they were following the God of this world, they would have been able to create apparently destructive weapons much sooner than has occurred. So what did God do? As we know, in verse 6, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Verse 7, Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. At least as far as scientific and technological advancement were concerned, it had to be stopped dead in its tracks at that point in time. Otherwise, human beings would have come together. Human beings would have destroyed, let's say, all of humanity from the face of the earth, as Jesus Christ stated in Matthew 24. Unless the Son of Man comes and intervenes, no flesh would be saved alive. Well, from that time period till today, there have been thousands of languages that are evident that have been counted. I believe there are approximately 7,000 languages spoken around the world today. Recently repeated in a, reported in an Associated Press article, another writer stated that, quote, half of the existing languages in the world will die away in a century and another 2,000 languages will be endangered if no efforts are made to save them. It is a pity, continuing the quote, that no genuine consensus has yet been reached on respecting and safeguarding linguistic diversity, end of quote. Well, we have news for them, of course, people who think that way. There will be no effort to save 7,000 languages at least uh, not 6,999 of them are going to have to go. In time, they're going to have to go the way of confusion. No more English, I, I would assume, a language that is a hodgepodge of many other languages, of confusion, of lack of consistent rules and, and regulation and spelling as well. Zephaniah chapter 3 speaks of that time. Zephaniah chapter 3. Now, this is going to greatly facilitate our efforts to bring peace under Jesus Christ, to bring understanding. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. For then I will restore to the people a pure language. Notice it doesn't say pure languages. It says a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. So the entirety of humanity will serve the great God in one accord. They'll harmoniously be able to work together, communicate together, speak together. 
with one pure language that's restored, that same one language spoken possibly by Adam and Eve, fell up until the Tower of Babel. You know, we don't know precisely, but it will be a language that was designed by the great God himself. It will be a huge boost to human understanding and harmony among the races. Prejudice will melt away. As humanity all speaks the same language, they'll understand each other. They'll be able to work together under the government of God, under the laws of God for peace and harmony. Well, finally, there is one more healing, one more major healing that we might look at, and that is a healing that you and I can be excited about as well, and that, uh, that is total healing of the firstborn sons of God, of the firstborn saints of God, there are, as we know, many among us, even now, even today, who battle cancer, some in the early stages, some more advanced. Others have, many have cardiovascular disease or even congestive heart failure. Some, every waking moment of their life, they feel the pain of arthritis and so many other inflammatory diseases. Others barely have the energy to get themselves out of bed in the morning as they age with inflammatory or degenerative disease. Some experience excruciating headaches, even migraines. And there are others among us as well who have found that their memory and their mental capacity is slowly slipping. We know that. We're human beings. We're frail. We're fragile. We're prone to sickness and disease. That's the way of all mankind. We all have physical limitations, and those limitations in our lives are increasing year by year. And that's the cycle of life. That's the way human life is. But the really awesome news, the, the great news, the good news for us, is that the returning Son of God has healing in His wings for all of us who complete our training as sons of God, as genuine firstborn sons of God. Can you imagine what it would be like, what it will be like to have perfect health, to have health with an abundance of energy, never-ending energy, never needing any longer to sleep seven, eight, or more hours a night, having complete mental clarity with total recall. I, I really look forward to having a kind of mental clarity, total recall, being able to remember examples, being able to remem remember history to a greater degree, being able to be more effective at teaching with a very powerful mind, no longer limited by our physical human brain, but a very powerful mind, a fully spirit being, being able to teach and train effectively. What an incredible blessing that will be when Jesus Christ returns with healing in his wings for us those who are alive, and also those who will be resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. You know, an encouraging scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us a mystery. Of course, we understand this mystery of the, of the future. And the Apostle Paul stated, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible 
and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Immortality, what a concept, what a blessing. Enjoying all the blessings of the family of God, living life on God's plane of existence as a God being, as a junior God being, but as a, as a son of God, as a brother of Christ, energetic, forever accomplishing under Jesus Christ's leadership, having a sense of fulfillment under our own leadership, working with human beings for a thousand years for starters until the second resurrection, seeing them succeed, seeing them have families that are strong, potentially stronger than than the families we have experienced in this life because we've been exposed to Satan's world. We've all been to some degree contaminated. We have that opportunity to work with human beings as God heals us, as as healings in the wings of Jesus Christ is applied to us as we're changed and resurrected. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. Isaiah 60 verse 1, an incredible encouraging scripture scripture of healing and joy isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord is risen upon you and we can think about that the glory of the lord will be risen upon us at that very moment when we have been changed and transformed when we are literally healed from corruption to incorruption, from our physical bodies, if we're alive, to full, fully empowered spirit bodies, and this mortal will have put on immortality. Brethren, there is no greater blessing that I think that we can think about, we can consider, no greater healing in our own lives as a full-born son of God. It's going to be give us the supreme joy of sharing this way of life with all of humanity, with every last human being that has ever lived. At the Feast of Tabernacles this year, God invites us, God commands us to rejoice, to rejoice in the future, to rejoice in God's way of life in the present, in our families, in our congregations, among our friendships and our fellowships. May we all eagerly Look forward to that day when the Son of God returns with healing in his wings.